Welcome, friends, to episode number 31 of Wampa Radio. I am Flake. This is a podcast about Star Wars Unlimited, the card game. It's so much more, so much more. The value that you get in the show, though, is unreal. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, we can go over things like car repair, I suppose. Uh, we can talk about <laughs> movies we've seen lately. Um, I'm learning some basic home maintenance things now. You know, lots of helpful stuff uh, for people from all walks of life. Extreme you know? couponing. That's right. Uh, basic addition and subtraction. I'm in. We usually get those right. The usually. Mostly. Well, we did add another person to the show from last week. We were back up to full strength, Charmer. Are you? Wow. <laughs> I was, I, I'm getting there. I'm almost full strength. I got sick on the, the way home. For those of you who do not know or did not see on Twitter, Flake and I were on a boat over the weekend. We were on a cruise together. It was him and I's first cruise. And on the travels back, I caught a bug, but I have mostly oh. rebounded and I'm, I'm feeling much better this this evening. I'm hoping this means I'm through the worst of it. Was uh, was there anyone else on the cruise with you, or was it just uh, just the two of you? Well, like, I, I know the answer to this, but the the people at home might not. So there were many people on the cruise with us. Oh, In okay. fact, it was a city right. of like two two or three. How many? It was like they said there was like what? How many people on that ship? Like five or six thousand. Uh, the gentleman that we were the there was a nice gentleman who helped us each evening in our main dining area and he said around 8000 people on the boat which is and that's why they boat. made such a big deal because at one point they announced that they had served 50,000 meals out uh, over the course of the like entire weekend and that like blew my mind i'm like wow that's that's a lot for a weekend for a boat and the food yeah, no the food was incredible First of all, like this was my first cruise and I was very reluctant because I've heard horror stories or maybe just it's I've never like, done that. Yeah, well, yeah. it's just like kind of um, sort of conjured up in my mind that bad things would happen. But I am 100 percent converted now. Cruises are freaking amazing. The food was incredible. The service, again, like 50,000 meals, you'd think that you'd be waiting a lot. Never, never were you ever waiting like you ordered your your. Your appetizer was out in five minutes. Your main course was out like a few minutes later. Your dessert was there. You could order whatever you want. We were at a table where some of us had two appetizers, two main courses, and two desserts every night because that's kind of what we're doing. And this was a this was a card game cruise too. We, it was. We should share. This was a specific. I I would have loved to go along on this. I couldn't I couldn't do it. But this was a group of people gathering for the sake of playing card games. Which is pretty yes. awesome. That's a great. I think that's a great idea for a cruise. It was. We need a. You know what we should do for Star Wars U? A Republic cruiser. <laughs> that's a oh, great man, idea. If they were shutting so that down, down so I would down. totally have done that. Oh God! The only negative aspect of the entire thing is that Charmer snores, and I shared a room with him. So Ooh. I calculated about eleven and a half hours of total sleep from Friday to Monday. But it doesn't matter because you're on a freaking boat and you have no responsibilities. And it's one of those things where it's like, maybe we should do something. No, you're on a boat. There's nowhere to go but eat and relax and surf on the, the little surf thing. You can do rock climbing. There was dodgeball, mini golf. There were shows. Anyways. In my defense for the snoring, mind you, I also did my best. I did my duty. I stayed up as late as possible to make sure Flake actually got sleep. And I did so by 
staying at the casino until they kicked me out, literally, <laughs> on the cruise. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for your service. That was very valiant of you to go gamble yeah, yeah. until three. To go like, kicked play you poker out. until three in the morning every night of the cruise. Uh, yeah. Hey, but we have a show to do, and we're back, and we're at full strength, and that's uh, that's important. That's a good thing. That's right. Uh, and on this episode, we'll discuss... I don't know, stuff, but we'll mostly talk about Star Wars Unlimited unless we're talking about cruises <laughs> and things. But we're kind of doing a little bit of a catch-up episode, aren't we? We are. We are. A little bit, yeah. You know what we should catch up on, though? What? The Wampa Cave Poll of the Week. <laughs> that is, in fact, absolutely what we should be uh, catching up on as uh, this week's Wampa Cave Pull of the Week was released on time. I, friends, I here's how much Flake loves you, the viewer, the listener. I paid $28 for internet on Sunday so that I can put out the Wampa Cave Pull and check emails and, like, text my mom who is, like, worried. Yeah, so, and I put out the cave poll, and it's a, it's a, it's a doozy, and if you guys want to check it out, you can go to at Wampa Radio on Twitter, um, which might be changing soon. We will tell Ooh. you shortly. Wow, an announcement of an announcement. We are good at that, oh. but here is your cave poll of the week, ladies and gentlemen. At their peak, and I say peak, which of these force wielders would you choose to single-handedly take out a battalion of clone troopers. Now, a battalion is about a 1,000 soldiers. So which one of these four force wielders would you choose to take out 1,000 clone troopers with no help? Your options were Darth freaking Vader. Darth Vader, yes, the Dark Lord of the Sith himself. We have... Luke Skywalker, son of Darth Vader. So you've got Luke Skywalker. Wait, wait, what? Oh, spoiler alert. Oh my gosh, I didn't know until just now. I'm sorry, Doa. Wow. So How when did you, I missed it over all these years? When you told us before we started recording that you wish you could have had coffee this late, maybe you should have had <laughs> coffee this late. Maybe, maybe. Um, the other option was Darth Maul. And finally, hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I will start with you, Doa. Who did you select sure. in this poll? I mean, there's only one answer. There, there's there, when you think about it, really, when you when you really break it down, there's only one answer, and the only answer is Darth Vader. I mean, he's the strongest, arguably one of the strongest, if not the strongest, force wielder ever to exist. Um, you know, everyone else was. I mean, while well, Obi Wan was like good, he was known to be very strong. But he was also known to, you know, lose duels to Anakin from time to time. He was bested by other Jedi in training. You know, he wasn't like, we never really saw him take on an army by himself. And battle droids don't count because they're weak. Um, so, you know, we know Obi-Wan is a strong Jedi, but he's he's far from the strongest Jedi. You know, he's maybe like top 50, you know? What? what I what in the, in the Jedi Order, at the height of the Republic, I would say Obi-Wan's probably like, Top 50, maybe top 40, no. you know, in terms of force power. I've... I'm pretty sure. Let me continue, though. We, we can we can talk about this more later. Darth Maul, just an apprentice, clearly not as strong as the other ones. Probably the weakest on the list, honestly. Uh, Luke Skywalker, very naturally gifted um, at his peak. You know, who knows? What is his peak, really? Is that, uh, is that 
Mandalorian era when he's like just mostly training Grogu and just kind of chilling out and stuff like that. Seems very strong then. Is it Jedi era where he was taking on Darth Vader and kind of going toe to toe using that raw force strength? Either way, not as strong, you know? So I think it's it's just obviously Darth Vader. I mean, for, for many, many reasons. He's the only one who really has like taken on, you know, comparable numbers too. I will give you a compliment sandwich here, Doa. Oh. So I hope you're hungry. Okay, (laughs) I'm ready. Here it comes. I'm ready. Lay it on me. Slice it in half, though, uh, corner-wise. Do you want it diagonally or, or like, you know? Diagonally and, uh, and, well, leave the crust on, actually. Okay, we're we're doing a diagonal cut um, crust-on compliment sandwich just for you, Doa. Okay? Thank you. Your, uh, your, Your analysis of Darth Vader was very apropos. It was very good. <clears throat> Your take on Luke Skywalker, oh, sorry, on Obi-Wan Kenobi was so bad. And finally, <laughs> you have very lovely glasses. That is my oh, compliment sandwich. Okay, I'll take that. Um, and because <laughs> to me, the uh, internal part of that sandwich is delicious because uh, I, I think I'm right. So I will, I will gobble that sandwich down deliciously. Um, but, you know, you can have your opinion, too. You know, some people like salami, some people don't. Some people like peanut butter and jelly, some people don't. So, you know, the interior of a sandwich varies greatly. So I respect your comment. <laughs> what about you, Charmer? Who did you vote for? This is probably going to be a bit of a hot take, but I voted for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And there are a couple of reasons. First, just looking at the list, yes, Anakin has bested him, but... He's also best at Anakin. Like, I have the high ground is one of the most iconic lines in the prequels, right? It is the the birth of so much. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi also has a lot of military experience. And so if you're talking about, like, taking on a battalion, his work as a general during Clone Wars and, you know, we got that kind of expanded upon in the shows as well, I think really stands out that was during an era where much like what doa said about luke really anakin during the clone Wars saga was just kind of getting by on raw power and not um like military strategy and so forth so if i'm talking about like taking on a battalion i'm gonna lean i think on obi-wan in that regard but Mm. also and this was this was the big one that made me kind of go okay i'm gonna put him over the top obi-wan very rarely uh, not not he's not impervious to it, but he very rarely does things for flair. Darth Vader is somebody who, and whether it's Anakin or Darth Vader, is somebody who likes to make a splash. He has a, a flair for the dramatic. He doesn't just do the most efficient thing. Sometimes he does things just to terrify you. Sometimes he does things because he wants it to look cool. And there's like no denying it. There's several sequences, both in canon comics, where he's like, piloting a TIE fighter with the force power so he can stand on the roof of it and just all sorts of weird stuff. Like, I'm, I'm just saying. So He's ghost riding somebody, the whip. He's force yeah, ghost yeah. riding the whip. <laughs> if there's ever somebody who would, like, get himself into trouble by just trying to be, like, overly dramatic, I think it would be him, where I think Obi-Wan, if he knows the stakes going in, is just going to get the job done. So ultimately, I went with Obi-Wan. I also... 
I, I couldn't go with Luke just because, even though I think he's incredibly powerful, we never got to see him fight on a big scale. Nothing where it's like ham versus a battalion, like we got to see with Darth Vader and Obi-Wan during Clone Wars during, you know, the big large scale warfare. And I love Darth Maul as a character, and I really appreciate what they did with him in Clone Wars and in Rebels. They kind of turned him into a more scheming character, obviously in the films doesn't really speak he just comes out and does cool ninja stuff who doesn't love that but i like that they dove further into like he's actually not that strong like physically and one because that explains why he loses to obi-wan twice and two it makes sense if you put into context that he was sidious's apprentice and sidious was a schemer and so you would expect Darth Maul to have similar traits, and so that's why sure. yeah, I love the character, but I, I agree with Doe. I think he's probably last on this list for what I would pick for taking out a battalion. Yeah. Now, he might he might figure out a way to recruit and turn them, something like that, but, you know, kind of like what he did with Mandalore, but I, I don't think that he's just going to single-handedly take him. We're talking about peak force strength, though. That was the uh, that was the, for, no, the no, no, metrics. No. It, well, it, right? for, force strength is just like yeah. it was for you have at to be a force peak. wielder at their peak of yeah. their being. So, I voted okay. I think that it's it's fairly obvious it's Darth Vader in my books as well. I think Darth Vader is just it has first of all it has the most. Like when you're showing up to the job interview, he has the most references for like mass murder, oh, yeah. right? So he's the one oh. where, you know, they'll call and they'll be like, oh, yeah, he uh, absolutely just completely walked through our Carillion Corvette and just sliced through them like a hot knife through butter. That's kind of it is. But what I want to just sort of get at is I like the Obi-Wan selection because you're right, because he has the most, I feel, battlefield um, um, actual experience of in that kind of warfare dealing with that sort of mass amount of humanity or or enemies to deal with plus he mm. knows their clone troopers tactics and their strategies because he's worked so closely with them is he i think in my opinion when you say that he's a top 50 uh, that is kind of really selling him short i think that he's easily a top 10 jedi of all time and i mean you're going to throw yoda up there you're probably going to throw luke up yeah, there sure. Um, well, Yoda's definitely bigger than, uh, well, like, because we're, are we talking about, because I was led to believe that this is pure force power we're talking about. Oh, no. Not it's... like strategic mind, not, because oh, no, the so wording this, is at their at peak, their which peak. these force users, yeah. So they're, what is yeah. their peak? What what defines well, their peak? I took it as force strength. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a combination of everything. I mean, but ultimately for me, I'm a little surprised when we get to the results of this. That, yeah, the results shocked me. Yes. And you know yeah. what? Let, we're, let's get to them. Let's get me to too the results. Me too a little bit, actually. Yeah. Let's get to the results here. And the results are uh, in the lead uh, with a clean 67%. So a clean two-thirds of the vote is Darth Vader. And the reason, for the record, when I was, I was watching this closely as I put this out, I think it took about 20 votes before anybody voted for not Darth Vader. He had 100% of the votes through the first, like, 15 to 20 votes that were received. Um, and there is one scene that was brought up to us by Roland Gaming, who replied to it and said, this is all I need to know to influence my vote, which is a panel from a comic, a Darth Vader comic, where it's him um, surrounded by enemies and he, uh, the, the, his word bubble or his, his speech bubble says, all I am surrounded by is fear and dead men. And it's like not even concerned. But at 67%, it is Darth Vader tied for second. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul 
which really shocked me because with Luke Skywalker coming in last at 9.6%, so Darth Maul and Obi-Wan at 11.7% apiece, Luke Skywalker being last absolutely blows my freaking mind. I thought it was going to be a close... I thought he was... I thought Darth Vader was going to run away with at least 50%. I thought Luke Skywalker was easy to catch at least 20 to 25% of the vote. And I'm going to refer to everybody to the, um, is it season two's uh, finale of Mandalorian, where he comes in and rescues Grogu and the crew. Yeah. And he just walks through a, like this this little squadron of the, these de- death troopers that Mando could barely get away from one, and he just just destroys 12 of them like they're nothing. So when we're talking peak, I think post-Return uh, of the Jedi is his peak in strength Probably. and everything. Probably. I agree with that. Yeah. So the fact that he's last is a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, he definitely doesn't deserve last. I mean, Vader definitely deserves first. He's like literally half force. He's he's a uh, and I I think this is dorky and I've never liked this about Star Wars lore but he's literally a force virgin birth, he is fifty percent <laughs> force so like you just you don't get much more powerful than that right? Well, he's saturated with but force. Then does that mean that that's really his triumph or does he have to give half of his victory away to midichlorians? Doesn't matter. Power I'm is just... power. <laughs> I don't want to add any kind of weird chemical or like we're not adding chemistry I, to this. We don't talk about. I always thought it sounded anymore, like right? a disease. Like, oh man, I caught yeah. the midichlorians. <laughs> yeah, God, I went to. I had a night of death sticks at the cantina. Woke up with a bad case of midichlorians. We I sat in the wrong hot tub on the cruise and I caught a case of the midichlorians. There's got to be some Star Wars diseases that exist. Uh, I'm Hold sure on. there are. I mean, they have Bacta for a reason, so... Yeah, but I'm, I'm like, uh, diseases... Okay, because I've never actually heard one. Okay, so there, there is a Rakul Plague. Oh, I feel like I have heard of that somewhere. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah. Hibernation sickness is on this list. That doesn't really count. That's like an effect of a, of a, of a you know, technological experience. Um, Kandorian Plague. Lots of plagues, apparently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right, so there's, there's a couple. There's a couple here and there. But... Yeah. I think overall, 67% to Darth Vader is fair. The fact that Darth Maul was tied for second blows my mind because I think that as cool as he is, I would put Darth Maul up against one-on-one against 90% of the Jedi out that are out there at the time, but I would probably pump the brakes on... Yeah, I think he can... I think that at Darth Maul at his peak could probably ace like 90% of the Jedi that are out there. And keep in mind, that's... There's still like a hundred of them that would probably crush him. No, more than that. How many Jedi were at the peak? Like ten thousand, like at the height oh, of the Republic. Like that. That's why, like, I don't. That's why I would put like Obi Wan like top fifty because I agree that he was a great strategic mind. It seemed like, um, and he was an accomplished duelist. But as far as like raw force power, it doesn't seem like he was. Yeah, like, well, maybe not. Yeah, super I, near the peak. You know. I also have a little bit of a bone to pick with you, Charmer. When you talk about the fact that Obi Wan is not about flair and dramatics. Uh, did he not just drop in in the middle of like this battle droid like AA meeting and say hello there and then just yeah. like he made a ridiculous pose? Listen, yeah, like, he he is not immune. I said that he's not like all business all the time. But I would also argue that those are moments that 
I think Anakin was a bad influence on Obi-Wan. I think that you look at like young Padawan Obi-Wan and then the more time he spends with Anakin, the more like reckless Obi-Wan kind of becomes in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that when you look at like, you know, general Obi-Wan Kenobi from the Clone Wars and what he would bring to the table, I just feel like he, he has a good shot at a fight. I mean, like, Let's be honest. We all know Darth Vader is the correct answer, but uh, I wanted to go with Obi-Wan. I honestly thought Obi-Wan was going to be third. I agree with you, Flake. I thought Luke was going to be a very clear-cut second, and I was shocked that he was last. I think if we had, if the question was like, who's your favorite Jedi of these four, the results would be like very different, right? Yeah. There'd be much more variety. Uh, but it is interesting to see, you know, where people rate Luke, Darth Maul, and Obi-Wan. I mean, if it's, we really need... X or we need a, either X to give us more poll options or we need to just like get a better poll platform because there's so many things like we could add Yoda on there. We could add Mace Windu on there. But there's that's like, the beauty of it. You know, I want more. The beauty is that there we are so limited that we ha- we ourselves have to like struggle and to bang our heads together to only put four options on there. Um, mm. All right. So right. what did we miss from a headline perspective um i'm i mean there was there was an ffg stream about multiplayer stuff i think there was a bunch of slides that came up but a lot of it for us was not necessarily a lot of extra information and if we're missing such we'll we'll get back to it i mean a lot of us were kind of busy this week and didn't get to really dig too deep i admit i did miss that one i'm uh i'm getting to play uh i'm getting to play solo dad for a while uh so and that's a lot of work. I'm finding out taking care of a six month old by yourself. It's, is that it's an, fun, but it's time consuming. It is time consuming. Is that an EA game? Solo Dad? Uh, no, it's the uh, Bethesda. It's a, a, it's a sequel to Solo, Solo a Star Wars, Star Wars, Wars where, story where they have Kylo Ren. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's just uh, dig right into the spoilers. How about that? As um, mm. we want to clear the mailbag, that's kind of our our mission this week. So. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of weeks where we were like, hey, um, we're all going to get together again at some point, And now we're finally all together. So, yeah, we can do that. We can tackle the mailbag. Let's do it. So let's let's cruise yeah. through some of these spoilers, some of which are probably pretty paltry. I mean, um, I'm I'm just going to go through the three bases. bases. Yeah, we'll do the yeah. three bases. I mean, it's just a vigilance and aggression and a cunning base. You start with uh, Capital City on Lothal. That's your vigilance base. A th- no game text, just 30 health. Uh, so Lothal is another location. Uh, Kestro City, aggression, 30 health. Vardos. Vardos. Um, is Vardos where... Is this where like the, the ISB are, are located? I don't know. Um, I don't know Vardos actually. Like this, I, I'm it's, looking at this and I'm getting the uh, the thoughts of. Hold on, hold it was on. the um, it's home the, of Iden Versio. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think yeah. of the game. What is it? Uh, Battle, Battlefront Two. Um, okay. Isn't that where we first meet uh, Iden? Does Battlefront Two have a good single player? Y- yeah. Um, okay. I I never played it. Um, maybe I'll have to go back and do that. I think that was like the only reason I, mean, I played I even the, picked that. Uh, I played that the game old. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so okay. Iden Versio, I was trying to, yeah, Battlefront True, uh, Battlefront Two Inferno Squad. Excuse me, brain going faster than my mouth there. Um, that is the setting for a chunk of that game. Okay, 
And Any, anyone else slightly bothered that we see chopper base before we see like a chopper card? Yes. There's got to be one out there. There's going to be one. I mean, uh, when it this comes out, it's going to be uh, is going to be a, a curious case of Benjamin Button. Actually, so. we will uh, we shall actually get to that but, first. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a feeling the the force is telling me that we're going to see a chopper sooner rather than later. We've got like all the other Spectre things so far, right? I can't think of any other Spectre members that haven't been revealed yet, right? There's been a Zeb bunch last time. There's definitely been a bunch. I don't think there's any left, but I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Say Levy. Um, there you go. Chopper base is on Adelon. And uh, what I really like about the artwork of this is it kind of gives you a little bit more of a... What's the term? What's the term? What's the term? What's the term? Oh, I guess I'll get an impression of the size of what a Corellian Corvette is. Because we see Corellian Corvette and we think that it's a capital starship. But no, this thing can land on, like, the surface. And oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's fun to put the, that into perspective. Who wants to do the next one? I'll do it. Sure. Because I've got, uh, for a while, I had the Jabba's Palace uh, expansion uh, box in the background. It's gone. It's been replaced by Life Day Chewbacca, but it was there long enough. And, and uh, that expansion was uh, all about this guy's, uh, this guy's hangout. It's uh, Jabba the Hutt, cunning daimyo. He was retroactively made a daimyo in uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, he, in Star Wars Unlimited, though, is a four-cost cunning villainy card. Two strength, eight defense, underworld hut. And this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, each trick event you play costs one resource less, and when played, search the top eight cards of your deck for a trick event, reveal it, and draw it. Put the rest on the bottom in any, in, uh, any order. In random order, my bad. In random order. But, uh, I think this is the first time we've seen a card target a specific type of event because remember uh just like units and things have traits uh events essentially have traits as well uh so this targets a specific type of event which i think is really interesting and uh brings up some you know kind of intriguing deck building possibilities so i i i'm looking forward to kind of like looking through i don't know off the top of my head what events are tricks but uh i'm i'm looking through right now but uh i think there there might be some neat stuff down the road with that type of thing so i love cards that have like very specific kind of effects like this so i'm excited about this one this card is really cool um the stat line yeah. on it is i feel quite apropos for what this is meant to be i mean the fattest of asses let's just get real he's here yeah job was big boy yeah job is packing heat but um this is a card actually that i saw chatter about this card people sharing the image talking about it who were not previously interested in star wars you um mm -hmm. you know all of us mm -hmm. here are very connected to every cool. other card game that we've ever played and the communities and the, the personalities involved with it. this is the first time that i saw somebody outside of the star wars unlimited community tweet about this card multiple times multiple people and it was all positive it was this is a feels right feels good feels uh, appropriate type of card and i'm really oh really into it and again i think that this card is uh does the game good justice in terms of how you can have a good feel for the card the character is representing the the card text to a degree i think this mm -hmm. is an awesome card 
Yeah, uh, so I'm looking through the uh, the events that are tricks, and uh, there's some extremely good ones. Waylay is a trick. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the one where it's just uh, return a non-leader unit to its owner's hand. Uh, Asteroid Sanctuary is a trick. Exhaust an enemy unit, give a shield token to a friendly unit that costs three or less. Shoot first is a trick. That's the one that gives you a little buff and lets you do your combat damage first. Um, Bamboozle is a trick. That's one where you can discard a uh, cunning card instead of paying for it. But uh, you exhaust the unit and turn their upgrades to their owner's hands. Like, the tricks are not for kids. They are for big boy card <laughs> game players. They are, they are the looking good. That I really like about this card as well is that as we get more sets and we get potentially tricks that could be outside of cunning, perhaps, this yeah. might still allow you or entice you to play cards that are outside of your aspect because, yeah, you pay the tax, but it's also going to be a little bit more manageable in that regard as well. Theoretically, one instead of two, unless you're missing two of the aspects instead of just one. But yeah, I mean, you could, you know, you could play like heroism, cunning tricks uh, in a villainy deck with Jabba the Hutt and pay only one more for them, like you're saying. So yeah, I think uh, obviously you have to draw him and you have to play him. But I think he offers a lot of interesting deck building possibilities. And I, I see this card and I'm like, there's got to be really fun ways to make this synergize with other things. That That's a card that looks like, you know, I should be able to find a way to break this. You know, it's it's exciting. Speaking of drawing him, the artwork by David Nash. David Nash, I think, is quickly becoming my favorite artist for Star Wars U. I think he's done a couple others, but it's just the artwork is great. I, I love it. I think it's really it's really rad. Um, what, what also is part of this is it says each trick event you play costs one less. doesn't say to a minimum of one, which a lot of other card games will have when they're offering discounts for spells to a degree. I look a lot at Hearthstone. Hearthstone has a lot of cards that will reduce the cost of certain things, but many of them lately in the past few years have put the sort of baseline at cannot cost less than one. This doesn't say that. It's just if it costs one, it's free. And that's always fun when you can just do things for free. Um, yeah, I, I, when I saw this, I, I just real quick, I also remember saying to, uh, it was either Flake or Doa, I remember saying it to one of you that there needs to be a card that instead of destroying a unit or defeating a unit, based on its health, right? There should be one where it's like destroy a unit that's two power or less. And then the art needs to be Leia choking out Jabba just to fully <laughs> sell the theme. Yeah, I'm down. I think that's fair. Um, I've got I've got two things to add real quick with this one. I, I like the the way the art is stylized. It's it's done well. I'm not generally a big fan of highly stylized art, but this is, this is okay. My only complaint is that Jabba has like a weird pointy bit on his head i don't know what i don't know what the deal with that is that's strange he's kind of like got a little yeah. wizard cap there that's that's a bit odd um but uh you know aside from that i i think uh, i i think i like the art generally but the the more interesting thing i wanted to say is that like now i want a leader that sometime in the future that just has one of their things it's just a passive ability that says your events are also tricks oh and so then and then have like uh, you know other things that synergize with tricks, and so then Java just kind of is like another a major cog in a machine that's this sort of like event engine. Um, it'd be very cool to see like a, a it makes sense too to see sort of like an underworld scum and villainy kind of like cunning based trick oriented event deck. Uh, that that sounds like a really fun deck to play. So I hope they I hope they go farther with the concept that we're kind of seeing here with Java the Hut.
I think that's cool. It's very cool. Um, I just now, now that you've pointed that out, the little pointy bit, um, I just picture him coming out of like a whipped cream can, you know? <laughs> it looks like, yeah. And that little, like, like a soft serve ice cream and then the little, little folded over little tip at the end. Or like uh, C-3PO was like styling his head or something like that. Like you would style <laughs> someone's hair and you just like got into a little, uh, little point. I found one of the uh, tweets Flake was talking about. Good friend Frank Moon, who has played a lot of Magic, currently does coverage stuff for One Piece. Uh, He's a game designer for Gods Unchained, I think. Uh, I don't know if he still is, but he was at one time. Um, so uh, again, cool. just like us, lots of experience in the space. Uh, retweeted it and said, this is such a good card design. I have no idea how this game works, but I still have a very strong understanding of what this card does and how it resonates thematically. Yeah. And that that's all you that's all you want or need, right? Like even if you don't know the rules, you look at it and you're like, I get what this is supposed to do. All right. This is a card gamer's card, which mm -hmm. uh, you know, I understand that first set of a new card game, an IP like Star Wars, you want it to be accessible, you want it to, you know, bring in a lot of new players who maybe aren't as familiar with card games. But I'm glad that we see a good old fashioned card gamer's card in here too. Warms my heart. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um I'm going to do the next one because, Doa, you're going to get the one after that. And the oh, next... Oh, Charmer doesn't get one? Oh, he'll get one, all right. He gets oh, okay, the best right. one. Uh, oh, okay. I'm going to uh, show you, friends, Protector. This is a double Vigilance. So another double aspect card. So double Vigilance, single cost upgrade. Attached unit gains Sentinel, and it gives it a plus one, plus one. The... Um, tribal i suppose the tagline for the card is innate so you've got shirt on there just go and bow staffing everyone like crazy which is awesome um donnie yen is a really cool dude i watched all four Ip man movies when i had like those health issues a few years ago i was in the hospital for a while so i was like let's just Ip man it up the whole way um very cool by the way if you don't know what Ip Man is, I will summarize the entire series of movies, all four or five of them, which is um, people come in, want to fight Ip Man. Ip Man says, no, I will not fight. They come back. I want to fight you. No, I will not fight. Fine. I will fight your loved ones. He says, fine, I will fight. And then he wins. That's pretty much the premise of all the Ip Man movies. There you go. Protector. Uh, very simple upgrade. I think it's uh, something like this. I think there was gonna, there was always going to be something that are going to grant keywords. And in this case, Sentinel was just part of it. And it just makes sense. It's in, a, it's in Vigilance where it needs to be. The fact that it also gives a buff. I would think that the Sentinel aspect would probably have been a plus zero, plus two. That's where I would have le leaned on it. But I think that this is a, a, a pretty good card. Yeah, I, I think it is neat. Oh, God. Oh, I was just going to say... Uh, I, I think the card is great, but I will just point out the art on this is interesting because it's got kind of like a motion blur to it. And you can see like the impact of the staff hitting the stormtrooper. And when I first saw this card, I just thought like, I want the Rogue One anime now. Like, give me this crew, like him and his buddy before we get to Rogue One. Like, what is his adventures? and uh you know things like that ahead of time but like this i don't know what it is it looks like it's a still from an actual like anime or a cartoon and then i was like man now i kind of want this kind of looks cool it looks like a picture that was taken off of like a motorola razor a motorola razor <laughs> that's i, I remember my when age, those yeah. were like uh the 
the the the cool thing, you know. Yeah. But, Look how slim it is. It's like all right. You know the the one thing I'm surprised about with this card is that it's it's double vigilance. Um, cause I feel like the other cards that we've seen that have granted things like, like, uh, what we saw one that granted like saboteur, didn't we? Or something yes. like that. We saw, yeah. And that, that was just aggression, right? That wasn't double aggression. Was it like when I see uh, cards like this, the way that uh, I kind of evaluate them is it kind of shows you the worth of what a keyword like Sentinel is giving you because to, if, if this was a one drop or a one cost single vigilance, I think that it'd be maybe too good. But throwing a second Vigilance on there, I'd almost re prefer it be a two-cost single Vigilance than a one-cost double Vigilance because what this huh. now does is it's like, all right, you're going to have to pay three for this unless you want to double up on Vigilance, and in which case, is three too much? But again, oh. maybe this is a com key component to putting this on a fat boy that's on the board to just protect your health total. Yeah, I uh, I just I uh, just looked up Infiltrator's skill is uh, aggression, uh, single aggression um, to give Saboteur. So I, I guess I'm a little bit surprised it's, it's double vigilance. I see what you're saying with that, but uh, I don't know if giving a unit sentinel in one one is strong enough to warrant the double aspect because that makes it difficult to include in in other decks. You could still pay three for it. I don't think I would pay three to give something sentinel in one one personally, but uh, you know maybe people will. But I, I I'm a little bit surprised. I don't know if that's totally warranted. Or not, but I'm surprised. I'll just put that for, out there. For me, there's a couple of things that I think are worthy of consideration when you look at the costing. One, this can, even though the, the art is very clearly ground units, uh, this can be attached to space units. It's flexible, right? It can go on vehicles. It can go on ground units and go on spacecraft. Yeah. Two... I think that this more so than perhaps the other keywords has a bigger impact in limited. And so I think that when you are considering like when you would pay three for this uh, in constructed, paying three probably feels bad. Mm -hmm. But in constructed, you've probably got plenty of ways if you are on double vigilance to make use of this. But in limited, I can absolutely see some situations where I run this anyway because it might just be my only way out of certain situations if you start falling behind and three might might be totally worth just slapping Sentinel in a lane that you're losing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, uh, I once again have uh, discounted limited and I'm only thinking with my constructed brain. However, I also don't really want to balance a game for limited. So I don't know. <laughs> you, you all you both have valid points but i'm still not a fan of this um but yeah. we can't have everything we want true it's true but Don't. turns out we can have some pretty cool things like we? which i so i just to like i didn't i knew we were getting our own spoilers which uh you know we knew we, we knew they were Loose coming me we knew they were coming, but I, I kid you not, I did not look through our document for the day, and I did not know they were in there until this moment. So, so basically, yeah. we got these while we were on the way to the boat. And I mentioned in our little private chat, I said, hey, check the email. for a, There's a gift for us there, which was the spoilers. Yeah, I think 
I, think I didn't get that Eric email. off. No, I think you threw Eric off because you said, hey, Charmer. Oh, right. For you. So right. I don't think he looked That's... because you said me. Yeah, I remember that message. And yeah, yeah. So I That's... thought it was, and I was busy at the time. So. That is that my bad. That was when it came in. That is my okay. bad because we got okay. it literally. I think I we were on the, we were in, in an Uber going to the cruise <laughs> ship. And well, you get to see me react to it in real time though. So you this, do. Is, this is great. This is you absolutely thing. do. So, but with- I'm very with, excited about this. With uh, <laughs> no further waiting involved, we do have two uh, brand new cards for you, the viewer, the listener, the Star Wars U fan. Doa, what is our spoiler card this week? It's so funny. I was looking at this and then I was going back to like SuDB and I was like, wait, that's not on there. And I'm like, oh, so okay. Well, let's check it out. So I am, I have the pleasure of uh, now revealing the card Power of the Dark Side. There it is. Three cost. Vigilance, villainy, an opponent chooses a unit they control, defeat that unit. So you've seen, uh, you know, other things that cost a little bit more in vigilance that take out units. This is cheaper. Three cost is not that bad. Your opponent chooses, but I think this is great for a lot of slower control decks where you just want to basically keep base with your opponent on board. And, you know, if they only have like, you know, one unit out, that's that's huge, right? Because then they have to get rid of it. So it's it's semi-targetable by uh, you know when you can play it, I suppose. Um, you know, say they're on their three resource turn, uh, you let them go first. They spend their resources on a unit. You just drop this, and if you're playing a slower deck, that's fine. Then just like neither of you get cards that turn on the board, and so that's better for you if you're the slower deck, you know, and you're wanting to sustain until the late game. So I'm excited about this card. It's an uncommon. I think it's I think it's going to be a useful thing to just throw in there to just thin out the board. Um, again, if you're playing like a slower controlier deck, like I, I love this card. I yeah. I think the art is fantastic. Uh, if yep. you are listening and you're not watching the YouTube video, it is Darth Vader uh, force lifting. It's not even just a force choke. It's like a force crumble. And there's bodies also like on the ground. It's very fitting, actually, for the poll that we had for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Because man is getting the job done. But I like this card for two big reasons. One, this is kind of close to a counterspell in the way this game plays. If your opponent has a clear board and they take an action to play a unit and that's the unit you want to get rid of well then when you take your action you play this and boom they have to get rid of the unit they just played now that does mean you have to keep the board clear but if you are in villainy and vigilance that's kind of your game plan to begin with let's be honest uh, the other reason that I'm a big, big fan of this card is that it specifically does not say non-leader. It's an opponent chooses a unit. And yeah. so if somebody is trying to set off like a big swing turn and I'm thinking about the cunning Han Solo, for example, where they might be trying to get some additional resources going to power up their turn. Uh, this could be a great way to slow things down cost effectively. So again, if you can kind of keep the board clear and you get your opponent into a situation where they take their epic action to deploy their leader, then you can just answer with three resources and then you've stopped whatever they wanted to do with their leader, which is a big power play. What I, I like about this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say part of this. What I like about it is like the counterspell aspect is is correct, but it has to be because you're maintaining the board state as being relatively clear. So there's two ways that you can kind of go about this. The first one is you're strategically removing things off the board where all that's like 
you know, when the cheese stands alone, you could play this and they have to get rid of it. Um, this is shades of like Rakdos, I guess, in, for Magic players with a lot of sacrifice and, and things like that. There's a lot of black spells in Magic that force your opponent to make a, a choice. But if the choice, if there's no choice, then you're, you're kind of doomed. This card fits precisely what I'm thinking Command Vigilance uh, villainy is going to be, which is going to be ramp, control, big bodies on the board, and and get it done. I'm really, really liking this card. And yes, this is like the scene from Rogue One. He's going through the hallways of uh, of of the Tantive Four and just slaughtering people. But like this is uh, this is incredible. I think that this card is going to be very strong. I think it's uncommon for the cost and the dual aspect. I think this card is perfectly costed. I think this card is perfectly rarefied i guess if you want to say um this is going to be this this card has potential pack one pick one uh if the if the rares are garbage then i think that this is a card that you can be very happy to pick up as a pack one pick one totally i mean uh i i think about combinations like uh, vigilance cunning too where on a six resource turn you waylay one of their guys and then you power the dark side, whatever's left, right? And that can help you very selectively remove a, a strong unit. Um, so there's, as long as you choose, as long as you're good at picking the right time to play this card, it could be very, very strong. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. And I, I agree that it is costed appropriately. You know, it's it's not too cheap that you can fit it in anywhere. Um, you know, it's not too expensive that you're going to be de-incentivized from using it. I think it's going to find a home in, in a a lot of vigilance decks so i'm excited about this i'm glad i'm glad we got what looks like a really usable card that's that's pretty high charmer yes i had to endure three nights of your <laughs> of your presence okay uh-huh, i will give uh-huh. you this next reveal but you have to promise me that next time we're on a boat together you are sleeping outside deal <laughs> sure outside the boat outside the boat <laughs> Yes. Yeah, he's in the lifeboat hanging over the side. I can answer the call of the void. Do it. All right, hit us with the next one, Charmer. <laughs> okay, this one I am very excited about because it is one of my, my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. It's one that we have talked about a lot on this podcast and also... Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's... For those who are watching this live on the premiere on YouTube, type in chat right now what you think that card is. Because I'm sure you've mentioned it multiple times, so people will get it right. <laughs> Go for it. Yell it, shout yeah. it out in the car if you're listening to this on well, Spotify. Yeah, shout it out in the car. Uh, one last hint. It was not a force user, so they were not on our poll. But if they were, then I think that I would pick them over any of said force users <laughs> because it is, of course, the war criminal himself. <laughs> Chopper. Metal Menace. This is a heroism and cunning ground unit. Has a one cost, but don't let that fool you. He's got a one three body rebel droid inspector tags. So, of course, you can fit them in the Hera list. Says while you control another specter unit, this gains raid one. So it's a one three that can potentially swing as a two three, but also. But wait, there's more. On attack, discard a card from the defending player's deck. If it's an event, exhaust a resource that player controls. 
So he can be aggressive. He can gum up your plans and exhaust your resources. He can play a fatigue game and start milling cards from your deck, sending them to the discard pile. He does it all, all for the low cost of one. He is an absolute metal menace. I love that that's what they used as his descriptor here. Well, thank you, Billy I, uh, Mays, for that <laughs> that sales pitch. I I I now uh, and I I kid you not. I had no idea this was being revealed when I was making my comments about Chopper earlier in the episode. I That's what made it so good. Document. <laughs> I was badly prepared, and it paid off this time. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know this was coming, but I knew there had to be a Chopper card out there. And here we go. There's a Chopper card. And he's he's great. Holy crap! Cost one for all that. Like essentially, you're paying. One for a two, three, you know, because you could, with the raid want to attack and all that. Um, I, I like that it is only raid one instead of just straight up a two, three. That would have just been playing too good. You would have either had to make him legendary or knock off a health or something like that. Um, but he fits in with a lot of the other early cheap droids in the set that are usually low power, high health. Um, fits in with R2, fits, fits, uh, fits in with C3PO. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, even if he was a one with raid, one for a one, three with raid one, with a Spectre tag, like that's already decent. But the fact that he has that really potentially strong on attack, like denying your opponent a resource, if you can go first, if you can claim the initiative when you've got this guy out and go first and, you know, flip a flip an event on their discard and then deny them a, a whole resource, that's a, that's a massive advantage that you've just gained. So this is a card that is going to be very scary to face down. And you talk about like pack one, pick one unlimited. I think if, yeah. if you see this, you're like, all right, I'm playing cunning, and I'm gonna really hope I hit this guy uh, in my first hand every game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good, that's a great card. It's an exceptional card, and uh, first things first, uh, you're completely correct, Charmer. Um, I put Force Wielder on there for a reason, and the reason being <laughs> that we have proof that a thousand is like a casual day off for Chopper because he's taken out. Tens of thousands. In fact, I think his kill count, if you Google it, and Charmer, you can confirm it, is upwards in the like 40 or 50,000 range of how many people Chopper has brought over to the other side. Uh, he, Most of that is like from a single Star Destroyer, if I remember right. Though. That is correct. Right? Um, yeah. Two of them like crashing into each other or something like that. Um, he sabotaged one and exploded or something, yeah. Chopper is, uh, is, I think, the epitome of value and disruption. And uh, this is, again, that kind of what locks down for me what is important about cunning, which, uh, which is you want the initiative. And a lot of the cards, you want to be the first one to go ahead and muck up people's plans. What did, how many was it, Charmer? The quick summary I, I found says Chopper from Star Wars Rebels is considered one of the deadliest characters with a history of violence and destruction against the Empire. Chopper has killed over 4,000 enemies, including Imperial officers, stormtroopers, and entire crews of ships he sabotaged. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Hardcore. I think that's yeah. I think that's lowballing it, frankly, because I don't think that. I mean, all right. So minimum, a, a battalion for him is like uh, is like a day off. Like that's what he does when he's not on the clock. Does for fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, being able to go first and early on being able to attack, finding an event. And again, if you pair this up with Thrawn, you know what the card's going to be. So that can kind of help tailor your strategies to a degree. But you attack with this, you find an event, you mill it away, and then you exhaust a resource. They're going to be playing at half speed for the first couple turns or, you know, at, at, you know, at a, they're, they're, you're nerfing their resource system, which is important. And as, mm -hmm. as a one, three, this is not 
very simple to get off the board early. I feel like if you're playing Cunning, you are playing three copies of Chopper, and you're just hoping that you get this guy early because this guy is a beast, an absolute beast. Metal Menace is the so appropriate for this card. Oh, God. This this card kind of makes me want to play a, a little bit more Cunning. I, I, God, there's so much I want to do with this game. So much. I... I think running like a command cunning hair deck uh, could be pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I, again, like I like cunning as sort of the splash there because um, you've got, you know, buffing for units and things like that from the command side of things. But then cunning just gives you so much utility. I think it's a really great color, a really great aspect to splash in this game just in general. So the fact that Chopper is cunning, um, you know, off the top of my head, I don't remember what else. Oh, yeah, we've got the, the event that's cunning as well for Spectre. Um, so I, uh, for Spark of Rebellion, I believe it is. So, yeah, I, I think now that I see this, that does push me in the direction of Command Cunning for the Spectre deck specifically. Um, but either way, that's going to be a fun, like, tribal to uh, experiment with when the game comes out. You know what else is also really interesting? The heroic forces, you know, when you factor in the heroism side, really benefit from the droids because I'm thinking about you've got Chopper, You've also got R2-D2, which is a heck of a one-drop. He's got his 1-4 body with his when played and on attack. Uh, we still have C-3PO at the 2-drop. And then, you know, recently we've got to see how powerful, like, K-2-SO can be. Uh, I really feel like the Empire needs to step up their droid game because these heroic droids are kind of carrying. Oh, I'm terrified yeah. about when the destroyer droids are released. I think those things are they're going to be shielded. They're going to be unbearably powerful, I feel. Um, they're going to be yeah, like 4-4 four, four overwhelm shielded or some nonsense like that. You're talking about like the, the rolling, like the droidicas from the, from the yeah. prequels? Yeah. yeah. I mean, those those have to be shielded, right? I mean, that's like their whole shtick, isn't it, in the in the movie? They, so They yeah. better have like two shields. They better be double shielded. <laughs> They'd be nasty. As one shield's strong enough, but uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of a shielded 4-4. Four, four. Like what if it was a 4 for 4 4 and shielded? Yeah, I, I think I that's think fair. That I think that's yeah. fair. I like the fact that because I think the overwhelm would f kind of fit in with it because they're rolling, so they kind of like can barrel through. But yeah. ambush, there, ambush with oh, shield, ambush with shield could be cool too. Um, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, two yeah. brand new cards for Star Wars Unlimited, and once again, they are Power of the Dark Side and our boy, the War Criminal Choppa. Get to the Choppa. Um, Get the Choppa. <laughs> Uh, all right. So our episode, uh, our episode today is just basically going to be. We got a bunch of questions for the mailbag, and we want to sort of do a little spring cleaning, even though it's the yeah. uh, we're in the center of January. So let's get to it. And um, I want to say first and foremost that actually, you know what? It's a big mailbag episode. So I will tell you this. Let's say we got to do the the transition. So so Charmer, I'm going to ask you this, man. You're I'm you're, I'm a stormtrooper. No, no, no. Rolling at no, because it doesn't even. You're dead before you even know it. Um, <laughs> your ship you're on has exploded. You're yeah. on a cruise ship. You're sitting at a at a Texas Hold'em table. You've just gone all in because you found a two and a four that are suited. None. You're already beaten by a flush. There's one more card to come up. What do you say? 
So this is difficult because I'm supposed to say I have a bad feeling, but this actually happened over the weekend and then I hit the straight flush in one. And so I didn't have a bad feeling. But yes, I, I would traditionally say I have a bad feeling about this. Hmm. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about okay. Quiet. So the fun part about that, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's not just that he hit a straight flush to stay alive in a game of Texas Hold'em on a cruise ship, but the next day he weasels out a royal flush to like knock out two people or something like that, or to just like double or triple up his stack wow. like an absolute boss. I have a picture of it. I'll throw it up on the screen. You guys can all look at his uh, his ma- major smucker's face. Yeah, but here's the reason that I got the royal flush. It's the first time ever playing uh, Texas Hold'em anyway that I've gotten a royal flush, and I've played a lot of poker, but I got it because I was wearing my Wampa Radio t-shirt. That's what oh. I'm blaming it on. Blame it or give it credence, but ultimately... Um, Let's get to the mailbag, friends. If you want to give us um, some questions, you can always tweet at us at Wampa Radio. You can send it to the mailbag at uh, Wampa Radio Podcast at gmail.com. First up, Doa, select mm. what you wish. I'm just going to start at the top. Um, the first question we've got on the list from uh, Jarvis Slenkar on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, still known by many as Twitter. Maybe uh, more one for the mailbag. Well, it is. That's why we're answering it. Congratulations. Uh, do you believe uniqueness should be a concern in deck construction, considering units do not seem to stick around very much? Uh, how do you guys interpret this question? Uh, uh, so I think what they, I think what the question is meant to be is that uh, there was like, there's a lot of discussion in certain other forums that uniqueness is a limitation that people need to actually consider because you don't want to draw another chopper when you have one on the board because you can't play it because of uniqueness mm, rules. Oh, okay, so the sure, question sure. here is, should should it even be a concern in deck construction given the fact that, like he says, things don't tend to stick around. There's so much removal. There's so much exchange. I, I don't think it's very much of a concern, but not for the reason that they said. I think the big reason that this is not a huge concern in Star Wars Unlimited is because if you have a duplicate of something in your hand and you don't think you're going to need to replace it on the board anytime soon, you can just resource it. So you've got this like handy mechanic built into the game to uh, address situations like this. So you know, if I've got my chopper out and I draw another chopper, um, then I need to ask myself, okay, is this a card I'm going to want to spend resources on in a future turn to replace on the board? Or is this a card that I really only want out for like the first few turns and when it gets removed, that's okay. And that means this duplicate is what I will resource this turn. Um, so I, I think that's a really elegant way that this game deals with the fact that Star Wars does have a lot of unique characters and there is a uniqueness rule in the game. Um, that, you know, you can resource it. So, uh, you know, so that's, that's, you just gotta ask yourself, I'm gonna, am I gonna need to replace it? Do I want to replace it? If the answer to both of those is no, then you resource it. And, uh, and then, then you're good. Yeah. So no, I'm not, I'm not really concerned about it at all. It's only three of in the decks two fifty cards, three of each card max. So you're not going to run into those situations a ton, probably where it would be problematic. So yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all with this game. My answer would be, you don't have to worry about it yet. Really, until you get to the point where you're considering running like 
12 or 15 copies of the same character, then maybe you start to consider it. But for example, if you are somebody who plans on running three copies of the unit Luke Skywalker and you also want to run the leader Luke Skywalker like that, that's a no harm, no foul, right? You can just choose to save your epic action deployment. Uh, having your leader kind of bump up against a unit you're running in your deck, I don't think is a huge deal. But there is also a case to be made about why you actually want more copies or or different versions of the same unique character and I'll give you a, a potential scenario. Again, this is just speculation. I don't know anything about the future, et cetera. But let's just say hypothetically, we get like farm boy Luke or whatever you want to call him, right? And he's like a two cost or a three cost Luke. And he's, you know, from Tatooine and blah, blah, blah. Running him and then the seven cost Luke Skywalker in the same deck can actually be a bonus because then you are more incentivized to run Luke's lightsaber, for example, because then you if you draw Luke's lightsaber early, you have a unit you can put it on and get the full benefit. And then if you draw your late game bomb, you still can put it on him and get the full benefit. Right now, I think you're actually more incentivized to run just the generic Jedi lightsaber as opposed to, say, Luke's because the generic one you can drop on Kanan, you can drop on Yoda, you can drop on all of these people. But I like the idea as somebody who played a lot of Star Wars CCG, right, of mains and weapons. We all want to live that fantasy. I want Luke and Luke's lightsaber. So I think that when we see this game, you know, three or four sets down the road, we'll probably have uh, plenty of decks where we're running like nine copies of Luke or whatever, just so that we can also run the weapon and get that big payoff. So there's one thing I want to uh, clarify here is that I'm I'm pretty sure that the uniqueness rule only applies to the specific card itself. So you can, in theory, have multiple copies of Luke Skywalker on the board if they are different Luke Skywalker cards. So you can have Leader Luke, and you can have Unit Luke, and you can have, like, you know, yeah, Farm Boy Luke or something like that. Um, just, I... I uh, was looking into it but i believe that's the yeah. rule now that you right? say that yeah. I, I think that you are correct i'm just so ingrained that's going to take me yeah. a while to unlearn i'm so yeah. ingrained with the old star think, wars ccg like one um, piece there's other games like that where you have like multiple versions of the same character and as long as it's it's as long as it's not the exact same card you can have multiple versions out there yeah so that's so yeah that's a that w we should clarify that that you can you can have uh multiples as long as it's not the same exact card yeah the way it just that, doesn't come up very often in set one yeah the way that they would reconcile yeah. this in like star wars ccg is yeah if they're even if it's different titles it's just one luke on the board in fact the way that they did in star wars ccg is that if you had a luke you can just replace it with the other one i think yeah. um it, i believe that was it um yeah so well, one one second i i have the quick start rules in front of me just to to you know double check and, and i can read you the rule uh, it's it says um, you can have only one copy of each unique card in play at a time. Uh, if you ever if you ever have multiple copies of the same unique card in play under your control, you must immediately defeat one of them. So yeah, so they're oh, saying so like, it's... as long as as long as it is a, a one card of each unique or one of each unique can be in play. So that, I'm I'm not sold be, though yet on that. Like if you have let's say. And like, again, we're going to take this back to Star Wars CCG, where there was like five or six different versions of Luke. There was like Hoth Luke, Dagobah Luke, Farm yeah. Boy Luke, Jedi Luke. If you, you couldn't have two, even though their names were different, 
I'm wondering if that's the same with this. I'm still not sold on it, no. I, but ultimately... No, they, they clarified it can, early on. Oh, Okay. Uh, Dora reminded me of it by saying it yeah. again. It, it's something that's just ingrained in me, just like you, Flake. But I, now that Doa said it, it refreshed my memory. They did say that uh, it's only for that specific card. That's why the like subtitle matters, right? So when sure. you look at yeah. Chopper Metal Menace, yeah. if we get mm. Chopper War Criminal later, then <laughs> you can have both of them out. Yeah, Chopper it's, at I, the Hague. Yes. It threw me off too. It threw me off too because I was an old Star Wars CCG player, of course, as well. But uh, until I started playing One Piece and then I got kind of used to having sure. like multiple versions of the same character. So, also. Yeah. I, I will say this to answer the question, uh, Jarvis, it's that. No, I, there's absolutely zero concern, and the reason no being worries. that for twofold, even even the 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 way that Doa explains it, you can just tuck it away as a resource. But let's say it's late game. You're right. Cards are not meant for this world. They're not long for this earth, as it were. As we've seen how much and how aggressive these card games can be. There's a lot of exchanges, a lot of defeating characters, and such. So I am not going to be limiting myself uh, with unique units down to like, oh, I'm only playing two because of it. No, that will never factor into my my uh, decision-making when it comes to uh, deck building. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. I'll do the next one. We got Virgent Games asks, how will you deal with a supply shortage if Star Wars U runs into the same issues that Lorcana had, uh, such as impossible to get product, online sellers uh, charging 300 to 500% of MSRP, no supply means stores being unable to support regular organized play. How do you keep up excitement and momentum? This is a lot of different questions here. The first one I will say sure. is that I have been exceptionally critical of Lorcana's deployment of their product because it was justified and they bungled it massively. And there's still shortages for the most part. And But the problem with that is also that um, Disney as an IP has a much broader appeal and a much broader collectability to uh, than Star Wars does, believe it or not. And people who were, people who were collecting Lorcana and going after Lorcana were not exactly all card game players. They were Disney player, Disney fans, and people who love Disney. They just wanted to get their hands on something collectible that is Disney. And there's excitement when you're opening packs to find the super rare chase cards and whatever. Those people who were out there hunting. Um, would like the fact that the demand was so high enticed the scalpers and those types to go out there and the resellers that are charging 500% MSRP to go and profit and exploit that demand. So that is what kind of drove everything up. And I'm not blaming those who wanted to go out there and just collect the cards to put them in a binder. That is not at all what I'm doing. I welcome those people. You want those people because if 10% of those people say, you know what, let's read the rules and play it. That's amazing for the game. I'm blaming those who are out there exploiting the interest, and I'm blaming Ravensburger for massively short-printing the game at the time. My concern is not nearly on the same plane of existence as Lorcana is, and I will give you this as a, um, a, a sort of a, a little rock that you can rely on uh, if ever you feel like you're concerned. Pre-orders are up. Pre-orders are available. Pre-orders, you can go and get your orders in now. And it's in stock and available to you. Lorcana sold out theoretically the second that it was announced. People were all over it, waiting to see and lining up and setting alarms and waiting outside of targets and 
Walmarts and whatever and buying it out in droves. That is not what's happening with this. And some might say that that is a bad omen for it because people are not as hyped. I don't think it is. I think that's perfectly fine. I think that you're going to want cards, you're going to get cards. Now, that's not obviously going to be a blanket statement to cover everything because if you're in an area where only one LGS has it but the interest is high, well, it's going to be tougher to get it. But then you can just hop on, find an online retailer, an LGS that sells um, nationally or internationally and get it from that way. I am in no way, shape, or form concerned about um, stock. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd be sad. If it was, uh, if there was a short supply, um, we haven't seen any indication that that'll be the case. Um, all we can do is cross our fingers and hope that there's cards for everybody when the game comes out. Yeah, I don't know. There's not. Yeah, I, I feel like there's not a whole lot you can even say, right? Because we just don't have, uh, we just don't have much information, you know. So I think we just gotta uh, wait and see. I'll answer the last part because I think this perhaps might be the most important part of the question anyway, which is um, how do you keep up excitement and momentum? So let's just say. The doomsday scenario happens and we just are struggling to get a hold of product. Um, I would say for me personally, I would be doing my best to get a hold of something, even if it's just the starter decks. And the way that you keep up excitement and momentum is you just sleeve up your starter decks and you teach as many people in the meantime, right? The, mm -hmm. the best way to keep yeah. hype and excitement is to keep engaged and to spread the word and do your best to maintain interest until product is available um there's not much else you really can do and there is obviously a a window of opportunity there before people's interest will either wane or you know they'll move on to the next big thing or whatever the case may be but um that's that's what i would do in that scenario is just try to continue to engage in folks and and spread the joy that's going to be star wars unlimited yeah, I mean, uh, I know in the past with other games, too, uh, I've known LGSs that, you know, and, and people can have their opinions on on this practice, but, you know, when there was a game that had, like, incredible short supply that there was a community in that store that wanted to play, they would, like, allow people to print and play decks to play on, like, their local nights and things like that until product came in, you know? So they were saying, you know what, like, we're going to get product at some point, we know you're going to buy it at some point, so, you know, we're not giving away pricing, obviously, with this, but come and print and play and, like, at least play in the shop and, like, we'll build that community. And then once the cards are available, then people can, you know, get those. So I know that's that's something other people have been doing. Obviously, I'm sure people have strong opinions on that in, in some ways. But um, if there's enough interest, if the game is good enough, people will find a way to keep playing and, and keep working on it. But like I said, I haven't seen any... I feel like with, with Lorcana, too, there was... There was a lot of evidence that things weren't going great, you know, distribution-wise, uh, way before the game came out. And now here we are, like, what, two months uh, before the, the game comes out now? Less than two months before the game comes out at this point. And uh, I haven't heard, you know, any scary stories from any shop owners I know or anything like that. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that it won't be a concern. Uh, all right, we got about five-ish minutes left, so we're going to... Uh cruise through the next one this one is from uh from ntq uh fan of the show friend of the show says uh are you guys going to stream or have gameplay videos on this channel yes short answer is yes um it's a little bit mm -hmm. difficult from a logistics standpoint because we're all over the place uh and we have different schedules but that is something that we have talked about that is something that we have planned for and that is something that you will be getting 
when the game releases is you're going to get deck guides, you're going to get gameplay videos. We're going to do our best to sort of diversify our Star Wars U portfolio. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. There will be. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's go to let's go to Larry H. Shall we go to Larry H as the last one for the uh, yeah. for the evening? Sure. Let's do it. Hit it, Charmer. All right. So Larry H uh, sent in something, and now people are moving it around. I didn't on touch my anything. Notes, I, I again, it. again, it's. Uh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, Larry H apparently <laughs> yeah, it's is super tight. Nobody touches. Show us your hands, Noah. Stop messing around. Show us your hands. Yeah. Hands right. off the keyboard. Right, yeah. Here we go. Larry H wrote us an email. Says, "Hey, y'all." As you guys know, coming from Flesh and Blood, sometimes there is often only one or two viable meta decks for your hero, referring to the heroes in that game. And if you don't play those decks, you stand little chance of winning. When given, or excuse me, given what we've seen so far, do you think Star Wars Unlimited will allow for more expression or creativity in decks? Bonus question, what's your early take on the most expensive card in each aspect uh, try to just think about the base version of the card, so not, you know, foil, hyperspace, etc. cetera. Uh, also screaming at us, top of his lungs, Larry H. says, wear Wampa Radio merch. Uh, we're, we're working on addressing some issues with that. <laughs> it's, uh... Uh, and then the last part uh, says, you don't have to read this out loud if you don't want to, uh, and I don't want to, but I'm going to do it anyway. It says, P.S. I love y'all. Seriously, you don't know how much you guys mean from Flesh and Pod to Instant Speed Podcast to Nerd Legion. He's referencing our various other works. Says, y'all have saved me from dark places many times. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you. Because if you're listening to all of those and this, then you, sir, are a saint. Holy cow. Um, Maybe that's causing the dark places. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wasn't going to say Too it, much of us. It yeah. my mind. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Maybe... Uh, we appreciate uh, anyway. bad reviews, and it's the guilt uh, uh, that comes from that. We but appreciate I'm not, it. Sure they're not. I'm sure they're not. No, we, we we genuinely appreciate it. And again, like the fact that that you guys communicate to us, um, it, it means a lot. And I say this at the end of you know most episodes. I say the fact that you leave us these amazing reviews is incredible because it does throw coal onto the into the furnace and keeps us chugging along. So um, yeah, who wants to take a stab at this one? Oh, oh, so I, I'll pick the uh, the command one. Uh, I think that, that green Vader card that got revealed, uh, I think he's going to be the most expensive command one because that card is amazing. And uh, it's going to be super strong, and anyone who's playing command is going to want a bunch of them. Uh, maybe not three because it costs seven. You could probably get away with two, but I, I think that one will be up there for sure. I'm thinking that the legendary vigilance uh, event is going to be in high demand because I think people are going to want to try mm. mill, and I think that that is a massive, massive tool for that. So as the, in terms of that, uh, I would probably argue that. But I don't think that the... Uh, I honestly don't think that the events are going to be terribly expensive because they're... I don't think a lot of people are going to be wanting them to sprinkle around a lot of decks, whereas the Vader, you can plop it into any of the two aspects it plays with and you're going to get value much like the emperor i think the emperor is going to probably be a big one too anytime oh, you yeah. can drop onto the board and sprinkle damage directly the way that you want to divvy it up i think that's massive so i'll go with emperor i'll go with the other part of the the uh rule of two all right so you're going with uh emperor for the uh aggression i guess yes yep. uh, i i think in cunning 
it's it's kind of hard because it's going to depend on whether more folks are heroism or villainy, but it's, in my opinion, it's down to either Boba Fett or Millennium Falcon, because I think just, just depending on which side you're on, whether you're on the villainy or the heroism, both of those cards are outstanding and they're going to likely be three ofs in their respective decks. That's, that's part of what you have to factor in is if it's a three of, then you've already immediately tripled the demand of what you need for it in a deck. And then it's the versatility of the card. How many decks can this have value in? So mill cards are not only going to have value in mill in, in particularly in mill decks, but, um, I also want to just address the last part or the first part of the question, which is about one or two viable meta decks per hero in Flesh and Blood. First of all, the fact that you can have two viable meta decks per hero is actually a really good thing. Um, Flesh and Blood, for those who don't know, you have a hero that you represent. And in reality, I mean, there's multiple ways to play them. And I want to just, for those who are Flesh and Blood fans, what I want to say is that I will use the hero Briar. Briar was traditionally played as a hyper-aggressive hero. However, Briar won USA Nationals on a hard control survivability fatigue list, which kind of caught people by surprise. So I think that, like, the thing about it is that when you're talking about having multiple variations of a particular hero, or in this case, a, a triplicate of different aspects, there's always going to be one that is inherently going to be better than the rest within a particular environment at any snapshot of time because it's going to exist in a meta and this is, do you want to play, let's say, heroism, cunning, aggression? This is the, in this meta, this is what you want to play. So I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunity for expression within deck building, but you're going to be at the mercy of the ebbs and flows of your local meta and that's where the expression is going to come in. If there's one thing I've learned about Flesh and Blood is that without a digital client that is recognized and used as like a ladder system, uh, metas are exceptionally regionally developed. So the meta I play in like Eastern Canada is going to be different than the meta I play in like tech in Texas is going to be different than what is played in Spain, which is different than what's played in Australia. That is a fact, and it's part. It's not a. It's not a bug. It's a feature. It's a great, great part of the game, and I hope. I hope that Star Wars U becomes that. I want to see regional metas because when the Galactic Championship happens, it is absolute bedlam and it's amazing. I, I want to add uh, real quick uh, my two cents on that where uh, I think the way that your deck is constructed, the choices around aspects, um, makes for a lot of different ways to build the same leader. Um, you know, you could take very different approaches to control. You could take very different approaches to aggression, mid-range, uh, mid depending on if you, you know, I want to go cunning with this or I want to go aggression with this. And there's going to be like packages that people kind of determine is is the decent one to include with this and that. So I, I think the really interesting thing is going to be seeing, all right, people say this hero is strong. How do we build out that hero? Which aspect do we pair with it that isn't one of the native aspects on the card? That choice is going to be interesting, and I think we're going to see situations where, like, top meta deck breakdowns might include the same hero, but, like, different versions of that hero. Uh, so, yeah, I just think the way that deck construction works in this game is going to make for a lot of uh, expression and creativity in deck building. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty hyped about that. Yeah. Anything else to... Uh, yeah, go for it. I was just going to tackle... Um, the 
the expression thing I think is going to be there for this game. Uh, I, I think that this is ultimately going to play very similar to the way the Elder Scrolls Legends did. And given that I, I don't see or at least I don't foresee anything being absolutely like bonkers, head and shoulders above everything else broken. And if it is, then I just have faith that Fantasy Flight will address it. Uh, in Elder Scrolls Legends, just again, because of the, the nature of the game and so forth, it was very rare that we had any one deck that was just insane. Um, there are some exceptions, just like with, with any card game. Um, Elder Scrolls Legends, there was the Nixox combo, which uh, if you're not familiar, you can check out uh, a YouTube video I made from like five years ago where I spend 40 minutes explaining the basics of the deck. Um it was just insane. Uh, and then obviously like towards the end of the game, when things started to not make it through as much testing and whatever, there was some stuff that slipped through, but overall that game was pretty well balanced. And I think it's in part because of the core game mechanics, attackers choosing targets, separate lanes so that nobody gets steamrolled in one direction or the other. And this game has a lot of those qualities and the fact that it is uh, a back and forth action system as opposed to my turn and then your turn. I think it's only going to help. Uh, I really, I think there will be strong decks, but I really don't think that we're going to get to a point for at least a while where the meta is just like all one deck. Mm -hmm. Fair. All right, friends. Well, there you go. That is the mailbag. If you want to send us a question, you can do so at WampaRadioPodcast at gmail.com or at WampaRadio on Twitter. You can contact me at WatchFlake at ggdoa or at that charm 3r we're also on discord if you want to poke at us we'd love to hear from you again friends uh please if you haven't already we've got hundreds of views and such and listens on all of our uh, uh different platforms which we are so grateful for slam a follow a subscription on uh youtube or whatever audio platform and if you've done it on one please go do it on the other again it goes so far for us it costs you nothing but it does immense amounts of help for us so thank you to those who have dropping those five-star reviews and everything gentlemen we got some stuff that we got to take care of over the uh, next few weeks, but it's his big news for Wampa Radio down the pipe. We'll keep you all posted as it comes along, but we love you and we mean it. Charmer, wisdom time. May the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>